In this episode, we answer audience questions from beginning to end. We tackle topics from tires, to cars for college kids, to is there any way to make a minivan look cool? Next on Talking Cars. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode. I'm Mike Monticello. I'm Ryan Pizlikowski. And I'm Jennifer Stockberger. So for the last few episodes, we've been asking you to reach out to us at talkingcars at iCloud.com with text messages, emails, video submissions. And you know what? We've been loving the response. We've frankly been inundated with questions and submissions and videos. And so we're going to mix things up a little bit today. And we're going to do an all questions episode. All questions all the time because we've got a pile of questions to get through and answers to give to you guys. Mm -hmm. So... What we want to do is we're going to start with the video submissions we because like the videos, yeah. we, we like seeing your faces. So <laughs> we're going to start with those and we're going to start actually with Matt from Tennessee. Dave, can you play the clip for us? Hi, Consumer Reports. I'm Matt in Tennessee. After an incredibly long time spent trying to select a sports car to buy, my wife and I have made our pick. Mazda is finally going to offer the option of a limited slip differential on the top trim level MX-5 RF starting with the 2019 model year. So we can't think of any more reasons not to buy one. Consumer Reports is regularly buying just introduced models with very specific lists of options, right? How do you go about getting a good price on a car that's brand new? How long would you typically have to wait to start finding lower prices? And if you have to special order it, are you basically stuck paying MSRP? If we're willing to pay MSRP, how would we go about finding a car as fast as we can? We're not afraid of a road trip. Thanks, and we love the show. Okay, so Jen, Matt is looking for a very specific build on his car. Uh, what do you? What kind of tips do you have for him? Right. So really, it's a shopping question for Matt. And and one thing I want to say is he's correct that when we're shopping and doing all these cars we buy, we are looking for very specific sets of of features and, and things, but we're also looking for great volume. You know, we're looking for the car that's most representative right. of what people are going to be buying. Mm -hmm. So we may not have as hard a time as Matt does because he's going to be looking for something that isn't perhaps what everybody's buying. So with that in mind, a couple of tips I would say is certainly do as much negotiating as he can do before he kind of tips his hat that he's looking for a very specific vehicle. Um, and like he said, you know, it may be at another dealership. It may be in another state. Let your dealer do your work for you. Mm -hmm. Let him find your car. And, and they will do that. They'll locate and tell you. You may be the one traveling, but they can always do swaps. A road trip. A road car. trip in that car would be fun. Road trip is fun. Yeah. The other thing is they may have to just uh, order the car, which would mean right. waiting for a few months, which isn't the end right. of the world. Patient. Be patient. And, you know, if it's a, uh, if it's a good dealer... They may still give you, you know, five hundred, a thousand dollars off anyway. Right. You guys have, you know, because there right. is some. There's always some leeway in yep. what they paid for the car versus what you know the MSRP is. So, right. Just because you're ordering a car doesn't mean you have to pay MSRP. Correct. Right. They they obviously love you to take a car that's on their lot. Right. That's yeah. the that's easiest what they want. for them. Right. So you may pay a little for them to do that legwork, but let them do the work and and negotiate as much as you can before you get to those specifics. Right. Yep. Okay. Let's move on to the next video question. This one is uh, from John at Lackland Air Force Base, and it has to do ah, with cool. yeah, it has to do with the uh, Tesla Model Three. Let's take a look at that. Hey guys, I love this show. I saw your quick drive on the Tesla Model Three, and I was curious. Do you guys think the thirty-five thousand dollar base option will be a good practical choice for a family of four? Okay, Ryan, Tesla Model Three mm -hmm. with the uh, standard battery, which isn't yep. out yet. Uh, right. 
family car or not? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna say no. Okay. Um, could it work? Sure, it could work, but it's um, it's gonna be tight. Um, I don't know how old his kids are, what you know, what stage of life they're at in their family, but um, I know um, child seats are not easy to put in the back of that car. Right. Um, it's a I don't pretty, have a, it's a pretty tight. Yeah, I don't have <laughs> I don't have any children or anything, but um, you know our child seat testers. <laughs> Um, we told him. Yes, Sorry <laughs> it's uh, it's tight. It's a tight back seat. Um, the latches are hard to get. I guess you could right. maybe elaborate on that. But I know for myself, I don't fit back there. If you want to take four adults with you, it's a tight, tight car. Um, you're not going to get the 300 plus mile range that we got out of um, our big battery Model right. Three. Um, and if you're on a road trip with you know young kids, you want to be charging a battery somewhere for a that's couple a good hours? point. Yeah, I mean, do you want, you want to be somewhere where it's maybe yeah. really hot and now you're charging the car? And so, the, uh, yeah, I mean it's um, maybe might be might sound enticing, but I don't I don't think it's a good idea. So right. may, maybe not for the maybe. Model Three as a family car. And we don't know when it's available. They keep, we don't know when right. the standard battery. Yeah, yeah, we don't know when the standard. Yeah, we don't know when the standard battery is going to come out. We also don't know what the range is going to be of that battery. Right. Okay, let's move right. on to the next one. This is uh, Jared from Iowa. Let's take a look at that. Hey, Consumer Reports. I just bought a 2014 Dodge Grand Caravan, paid 13,000. It has 68,000 miles. It's in very good shape. My question is, it rates average in your reliability, but how well do you think it will hold up at, for at least five years of time? The Honda Odyssey rates exactly the same, but cost a lot more, and they're hard to come by in my area. All right, so Jared bought a 2014 Dodge Grand Caravan, mm -hmm. and I, I think a little bit is he wants to he wants to know, you know, how does it compare to an Odyssey? Did he make the wrong decision? And I don't know that he necessarily made it. He actually made a good decision in a sense because he bought the 2014. Right. If he had bought an earlier version, that's when the the reliability was really right. not good on these things. Right. So. And he makes a good point that for 2014, uh, the Honda Odyssey and the Dodge Grand Caravan both were average. average. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I would say is. You know, he, he's wondering, well, it lasts five years. Well, we don't know for sure, but probably I think the best thing you can do is, is take care of your car. You know, mm -hmm. I, there's a saying, if you take care of your car, your car will take care of you. Right. I don't know. Is that a saying? Or I, just, <laughs> I, I think that's right. Is, that, is, that, is that a I saying or did I just make that up? I think you just made that up. I made, <laughs> it sounds good, though. Fact check, I made that up. But anyway, right. so the point is, do the regular maintenance, right. get the oil changed, right. and you know what? Maybe it will last the five years. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason why it shouldn't last right. the five years. So I, I, I think... You know, that's it's not necessarily a bad choice, although nope. it's the earlier ones that good yeah. thing he stayed right. away good from those. Those were, 14, those were problem cars. That was cars. the key. That yeah. was the key. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next question. This is uh, Matt from Iowa, and he's asking about the new Mazda 6. Let's take a look at that. Hi, Talking Cars. It's Matt from Iowa. I just watched your most recent episode talking about the 2018 Mazda 6. And I noticed you guys mentioned the fuel economy was a little bit lower. Last year, I bought a 2017 Mazda 3 hatchback, and I noticed that the fuel economy dropped a little bit when they added uh, G-vectoring technology. So I'm curious on your thoughts on, on why the fuel economy decreased for the 2018 model that you tested. Uh, maybe it's due to the you know more sound insulation. Um, it's heavier, and uh, maybe the G-vectoring. Thanks. So this person's asking about uh, the new Mazda 6. Mm -hmm. The fuel economy has gone down a little bit in our testing right. and wondering a little bit about why and what's going on with that. Yeah, so um, pretty much what he said, it, it got heavier. Um, uh, we tested it in 2014, it got uh, 32 miles per gallon. Right. Um, we tested it just now, recently, it got uh, 28. And 
it weighs more. We actually weigh these cars when we, um, when we get them and we check them in. The car weighs 216 pounds more than it did. And uh, like he said, there's more sound deadening. Um, there's, it's a more refined car. It's a it's nicer a, car. It's a, it, it is it nicer. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's so it, and it, it shows. The sound insulation you know, <laughs> contributed to the weight, and, and that's what made it a nicer car. The right. fuel economy has do gone down. I think it's a little bit interesting that Mazda stuck with a six-speed automatic. Right, um, when others are going. If they had yeah. maybe gone with an 8, a 9, or a 10-speed, it's possible right. that some of that fuel economy could have come back, although there's no guarantee of that. Right. Right. And there's also no guarantee the drivability might be worse. <laughs> We've seen these you know, extra speed transmissions. The drivability sometimes goes down right. a little bit. So well, Also, um, the, the, the recent one we tested had a 19-inch wheel package with a W-speed rated tire, ah. which is an ultra-high performance all-season tire. Um, the original, the 2014 that we tested had V-speed rated uh, a 17-inch wheel package. So just in that alone, you can see um, some uh, fuel difference. Also. So higher performance tires, sometimes can, fuel economy goes down. Is that, that's yep. where you go. Okay. Right. Probably help the handling, but probably hurt right. the fuel economy. It's a trade-off. Yeah. Right. All right, so that's going to do it for our video <laughs> questions. Again, we love seeing your faces. Keep sending those in to TalkingCars at iCloud.com. Uh, you know, so now we're going to move on to more regular questions, whether it's from uh, uh, YouTube or from you know text message or emails. But you know, we also still get some regular mail from people. I actually have a letter here <laughs> from Michael who wrote a really nice yeah, handwritten too. letter. Uh, <laughs> okay. And actually, we all got one. We it's did. Interesting that we all got one from the same person. Handwritten. And I will say we have one fan. <laughs> Michael. Yeah. I will say mine was mostly about um, talking about cars that we have in common. Uh, Ryan's letter, though, I read that. It was more about him and how much <laughs> he liked him, especially his mischievous smile. <laughs> I, I'm not seeing it. I'm just not seeing it. I but. really appreciate in, in this era of texting and everything that, that, that Michael took the time, took the time. Yeah. to not yeah. only write a letter, but right. to write individual letters. We thank you. I think that's yeah. pretty really cool. Appreciate I do, too. It. Really cool. So thank you, Michael. Uh, so let's move on to some more questions. Uh, this is uh, Joseph, and here's what he says. He says, I'm in the market for some tires, and I've been looking at info from CR and another publication. How do measurements compare across performance categories? Sometimes a high-performance tire from one brand is cheaper than the cheapest tire from another brand. I'm not sure how to compare them when they have similar speed and traction ratings. So, uh, Jen, I'm going to throw this one to you. Okay. Can you help this person out a little bit? Yeah. So, so first of all, our ratings are divided, uh, divvied up by speed rating mostly. Mm -hmm. So you have your H and Vs, and you have your higher performance Ws, Zs, and then um, the winter tires separated. But we do make an effort, and Ryan is closer to it, but to rate them across the universe. So, yes, the rating should be comparable across types. So if you're seeing really high traction, say, for your high performance, you're probably seeing only average traction for more um, lower speed rated all-season versions. So that said, yes, you can make the comparison. I do want to caution that the prices we show are for the size we tested. Right. So that's important. So when it's a high performance, it's an 18-inch. When it's a S&T or H&V, it's probably a 16-inch. Just be careful of comparing those prices across types. And we also, our recommendation is always to stick with the speed rating that came on your car for right. the best balance. Um, you can go up if you want to tweak the handling up a little bit, but try not to go down. Okay, fair enough. Let's move on to another question. Uh, this is uh, from Nigel. He says, uh, we have a 2016 Acura MDX and really like it except for the navigation system. Why does Acura switch off most of the navigation functions 
when the car is in motion and there's someone in the passenger seat? Why couldn't they have used the passenger seat sensors to allow that person to use the system while someone else is driving? I, I mean, it's a good point, Ryan. Right. Uh, what's, what's really going on here, and is this unique to Acura? Um, so it's not. Um, many, almost all car manufacturers that um, have a, a navigation system, there's some sort of restrictions in there. People always figure out a way to cheat these systems, you know, figure something out. I mean, you could have a, a pile of books on your front seat. Right, that's why you thinking. have a passenger yeah. and there goes your, you know, the nav now works. Which is or, why um, they're not doing the, the right. sensor. They, so they're just yeah. cutting that out right out of the picture immediately. You know, there's no chance of, you know, you need to be pulled over before you can um, put anything in the system and then go on your way safely. It takes the liability off the automaker. Right. It's one of the reasons, actually, you know, that we like, like, the car plays and stuff because you can put it in your phone. Right. Have it appear right. on your nav. So, uh, but it is a safety. It is for people's benefit because we're tempted. Yeah. We'll just put in an address while we're driving. Right, because right. so, we're yeah. always in a rush, so right. we don't do it ahead of time, so we, we want to do it while we're driving. Right. But you know, most cars, you but can't do that. But it's not unique to It's not unique to, not unique to, to right. Okay, next question. We're trying to, we're trying to do this rapid-fire fashion <laughs> yes, that right. we uh, normally don't do, but we're trying to get through <laughs> a bunch today. So this is from Michael. Nice name. Uh, Goodness. Says, I, <laughs> I, I've been a fan of the show since episode one. Will you be testing the 2019 Toyota 86 TRD edition? I've used your ratings to purchase a 2017 Toyota 86 with a manual transmission. Good man. And I'm wondering if the changes would be an improvement for the street and the track. Thanks. Um, so the answer is almost for sure we won't be right. uh, getting a TRD edition. We usually don't test cars, which would mean we'd have to buy it. We don't right. buy such special niche we type. We could do the rental. That's what but, we'll probably yeah. do. If we can talk to Gabe and say, Gabe, we really should try, try this TRD. Try it out, yeah. And then we uh, potentially do a first drive on it and give our feedback then. But I would say good chance that it is going to handle better, that you're going to see right. improved performance. That's my guess, but we can't say that till we actually get the car in. Right. Um, so the answer is no, we probably won't be testing it. Um, next question, Augie from San Francisco, California. Hey, CR. Mm -hmm. How do you drive turbos efficiently? I daily drive a 2014 Volkswagen GLI manual. Loving the manuals. <laughs> yeah, a lot of manuals. Uh, and my average fuel economy is 23 mpg. My commute is half highway, half city. I find that if I keep the RPMs too low, <laughs> I have no power. How do turbos get such good EPA ratings? So the EPA test is uh, seems almost... Um, geared to turbos in a sense, you know, and it doesn't require a lot of heavy throttle. Right. So I think that's one way that happens with the EPA test where they, they do better and then it seems like out in the real world, the cars don't do quite as well when you're really driving around. So the bottom line is uh, to, to get the best fuel economy out of a turbo, you're going to try to not have the turbo spool up as much as possible. So it means short shifting. It means, yep. uh, you know, uh, meaning don't shift at such a high RPM. Don't, and more than anything, don't be hard on the throttle. Because yeah. when you get hard on the throttle, that's when the turbo really sucks back. You know, that's when you really start sucking back fuel. So right. you do have to drive them gently, mm -hmm. uh, even more gently than a regular a regular non-turbo engine to, to get, get that good fuel economy. <laughs> to get the fuel economy. But then when Which you you know the benefit right, but the benefit is when you really want that power, you have it, and it's and yeah. it's great. But you're it's going to be a fuel economy hit. So you have to drive them kind of gently. Right. Next question. I live in South Florida, so using AC is a necessity. I've seen a lot of contradictory advice about which settings are the best. What are the most fuel efficient settings for using AC? Thanks. Big fan, no pun intended. Uh, get big it? Fan. <laughs> I didn't get I that didn't the first time it I read it. I didn't get it right now either. That's we funny. are slow. We are. We're ignoring. 
So. Jen, what do you have to say here? All right, so a couple of things. One, we have done some work of what the penalty on fuel economy is with the AC on. Mm -hmm. um, multiple colors, multiple temperatures. And you're right, it does take a tax. It's between one and four miles per gallon, depending on the car and the temperatures. But we did cover this last year of the ways to set it to make it the most fuel efficient. Right. A couple of things. Don't pre-cool that um, air conditioners are most efficient when the car is moving. So right. don't try and cool your car down for five minutes before you get in. Just get in, crack the rear windows, purge out the hot That's air, right. yeah, let I love it that go. Yeah. So make sure your air filter's clean. Um, if you can get to it, some of them are behind the glove box. Most are still accessible. The cabin some air may filter. Not, but the cabin air right. filter, sorry, yep. sorry. Yes, good. Um, set it and leave it if you have automatic temperature control. Don't think that just by setting it colder, it's going to be better. Let it do its thing. It right. will mod moderate the fan. And the only other thing for more comfort was if you have auto stop start, when that goes off and the engine stops at idle, it does stop the compressor. Yeah, so that's you when may I get, that's immediately when I feel that. Yeah, right. So if it's really hot and you want to keep it running, shut that okay. off. Okay, cool. Good answer. Um, next question is from Tony. My insurance company asked me if I have daytime running lights or a vehicle location system. I'm assuming this because they give, they give discounts for those. Why haven't I heard of getting a discount on car insurance if you have active safety systems? I think this is a great question. Jen, I'm gonna throw this to you. Yeah, and it's coming. I, I will tell you, I think I've said before, we leased this, this Impreza with EyeSight for my college-aged daughter, and we did get a discount for mm -hmm. the EyeSight system. So it's coming, I would ask, if your insurance company is not, I would ask another insurance company because they are beginning to make those discounts. Right. And a lot of it has to do with the data. It's showing effective in insurance claims and reducing yeah. claims. So cool. why okay. wouldn't they? So it's coming. Right. Yeah. Next question. Charles says, I've recently noticed that gas pedals in newer vehicles are mounted to the floor rather than being suspended. I assume it's a safety concern to prevent floor mats from getting wedged under the gas pedal. Is this the primary reason, and have there been many accidents caused by this? Uh, Ryan, this is an interesting question because I remember, you know, years ago they were all floor-mounted gas pedals, oh. and now they've gone to this, you know, higher mount. Right. Yeah. But now it seems so, like we've seen some recently where they're back to the floor again. Coming What's going back. on? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, no, it's nothing new. Gas pedals have been mounted on the floor before. Um, in fact, most of the German manufacturers still do that. Um, BMWs, Mercedes, um, Porsches, they, they all have them mounted on the floor. Um, and maybe that's sort of, sort of a, a sports car thing, yeah. um, but um, the recent ones we've been seeing uh, in other cars with it mounted to the floor, um, and we can only speculate that it's probably, um, it's safer for the floor mat because right. it doesn't allow the floor mat to bunch up against Get it. Up under there, you know, right. if it's hinged at the floor, there's no, it doesn't have any leverage to push that um, pedal down um, and get you, you know, into a bad situation, but um, it's not a new thing. And right. um, I Would think- Would it have anything to do with heel and toe? Like you guys drive well, that this, way. Well, that's what, kind that of what why? I was alluding to with the sports car thing. Yep. Um, you know, some people in the uh, motorsports world would use both feet on the pedal when you have the when you, geez, when you have the um, a full pe length pedal that's mounted on the floor, it's easier to do um, heel toe all the way down. Right, right. right. Or yeah, split, now, foot driving, these days yeah. usually when they're when the pedals are really set up great for heel and toe, and it's actually more is actually more uh, you know uh, ball of your foot and side of your side foot. of your foot. That's and what that's I call what. Split foot, but yeah. maybe that's actually we've had to switch to that because the pedals are mount the gas pedals mounted you know is isn't floor right mounted. Way, so now right. we're going back to floor mounted. Yeah. Uh, we can go back to actually doing, yeah. the, I, I prefer, excuse me, real heel and towing. Right. I prefer them mounted on the floor, but. Um. Yeah, me too. All right. Next question. <laughs> I was looking for new tires and had seen that CR had great results with the Pirelli P4 Four Season Plus tires. When shopping for them, I noticed that there's a 65,000 mile warranty on the 215 55 R17 94V, 
Hope you're memorizing that, Ryan. <laughs> and a 90,000 mile warranty on the 21560R17960T. I know it's always recommended to stick to the manufacturer spec, but can I go with the larger size since they can last 90,000 miles? Ryan, you're one of our preeminent tire engineers, tire <laughs> testers. What do you got for us? Um, so, no. <laughs> uh, short answer, no. So, I, from the question, I don't know what came on his vehicle originally. It sounds right. like it did come with uh, V-speed rated tires originally. Um, like Jen said earlier, you always stick with what you have, what, what, your, what your car came with. It was designed that way for a reason. The speed rating is actually a, is the tire's ability to resist heat buildup. Right. So if you have a tire, if your car is supposed to have Vs and you put a lower speed rating such as a T, it could potentially not handle the heat, uh, the heat buildup and you could have a tire failure and a crash and whatever else. Um, so do not do that. And you want to stay with the same size too, which yeah. he's, it's slightly different size and it will probably not rub, it'd be okay, right. but the speedometer is going to be off. There's other issues. Right. So we can um, see the point, what, what he was going for, but, right. it's, but don't do it. It's but a common... it also makes sense. The higher performing okay. one, yep. where are you going to get no, there? No, no, yeah, go carry Less, uh, more grippy, more, right. less wear. Right. It's, it's a trade-off. Or right. more it's wear. A right. it's, it it's in the more. rubber yeah. compound. Yeah. Right. You're going to get fewer so miles out of it. I will say our latest passenger car all season tire ratings have just come out. Ooh, so there wow. might be something new on that list. Good plug right there. Oh, there you go. Consumerreports.org. <laughs> okay, next question. Blaine from Chester, West Virginia. I'm looking for a sporty compact SUV and can't decide between a 2018 Jeep Compass and a 2018 Mazda CX-5. If you had to choose between the two, Easy. which one would you get? Easy. Mazda CX-5. All day. Next question. Yes. <laughs> Mike yes. from Loveland, Colorado. Love the show, CR. That's why we put the uh, question <laughs> Do you in notice here. we keep that part <laughs> You started with that, you're in. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm looking for a first car for my 16-year-old daughter. Must-haves, great safety, including AEB, which is automatic emergency braking, reliable, and total cost under $20,000, new or used. Bonus criteria, manual transmission, and practicality for moving to college. We drive on snowy roads part of the year, so rear-wheel drive is out until she's more experienced. Jen, I'm going to throw this me. to you. I mean, you, you have a teenage situation. daughter. You just exactly. bought a car for her. Or she, I guess you guys kind of have these on the car. but I could have written this question a year ago when we were looking for a car for my daughter. So absolutely safety. We are all about crash avoidance. Right. You know, you, people sometimes talk about get them the biggest car you can have. We're much more about getting the safety features, keeping them out of a crash in the first place. Um, so, so. It's also about the handling, getting a car that they're comfortable in, right. driving comfortably. Absolutely the AEB. So we went with Impreza, EyeSight package. Where you might conflict a little bit is the manual right. transmission. Mm -hmm. We are, and, I, and we've said before on this show, the manual's a great way to keep a new driver engaged. Yep. It's a lost art. I would love that. But you'll find that some of the safety features, the automatic emergency braking, forward collision warning, are not available with the manuals. Right. Especially with those Subarus, correct? Right. They yeah. are not, EyeSight is not available with the Impreza or the Crosstrek right. with them. So, yeah, so. Uh, what I was thinking, you know, a Toyota Yaris IA could be a right. good choice. Mm -hmm. right. It's not real rear-wheel drive, it's front-wheel drive. You can get it with a six-speed manual, and it comes standard with the automatic right. emergency braking, even with the manual transmission. Right. So that could be possibly a good choice. Yeah. Right. It's not the all-wheel drive for right. the snow that right. they talk right, right. about. But, but you put snow tires on. Right. You could put okay. winter tires yeah. on. Yep. Okay. Uh, next question is Brian from Ohio. Hi, Talking mm. Cars. I recently moved to northeastern Ohio. Lots of snow. From California, where I've lived my whole life, what's the deal with taking? <laughs> what's the deal with taking care of cars <laughs> in the snow? Do I need snow tires, and is there anything I can do to prevent rust? Uh, so I would say, 
you know, uh, during the winter, run it through an automatic car wash yeah. a few times. Yeah. Uh, maybe two or three times during that winter season. Make With sure the you get undercarriage, the undercarriage. Yeah. Right. Make sure you get the undercarriage yeah. done at least maybe a couple times. Mm -hmm. When the car is really caked up with salt, go take it through an automatic give it, car give wash. It a bath. Yeah. I, I just want to say that he he's going to have to accept the fact that this thing is going to slowly rust away. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our world. But they're getting better. They're Welcome getting to the snow but, but new cars, the snow new cars are getting better. They're more They are more getting better, but it's, you know, it's not California. Right. <laughs> and also asked about snow tires and you know, I'm a big fan. If you if you're living in an area uh, like he's saying where he gets a lot of snow, you got to get snow tires and you know, you've got two ways you can go basically. You can get a, a you know, an extra set of like uh, cheaper steel wheels. Yep. Yep. Um, put the snow tires on them, keep them on all the time. And in terms of they always stay on those wheels, you right. just swap the swap wheels on right and in off. Your driveway, you can or do if you don't want to do that, you can just have you know a place uh, swap the snow right. tires for the regular tires. Yep. Each. And that saves your good wheels from the salt. Oh yeah, and that's, that's about, great. Yeah. That's and that's why we you get a cheaper set. Yep. Yep. All right, next question. Paul says. I take exception to your persistent opinion that it's better to have an all-wheel drive vehicle rather than a front-wheel drive vehicle when driving in the snow belt area of the U.S. With VSC and anti-lock brakes, and that means uh, electronic stability control and anti-lock or ABS brakes, being mandated several years ago, my experience in the northern Midwest is that I felt just as safe in front-wheel drive car as in my all-wheel drive SUV. Uh, first thing, I don't think we actually say that. I think right. we're more about... It's okay to just, you know, just because you live in a snow area, it doesn't mean you have to get all-wheel drive. Right. You can get a front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive car, we but again, you want to go tires. with the snow tires. Right. Absolutely. So that's what has our, been our point. Not yeah. all-wheel drive saves you because, remember, all-wheel drive doesn't, it helps you get going, but it doesn't help you stop at all. So right. having, once you're moving, your all-wheel drive car and your front-wheel drive car with snow tires are essentially almost the same. I right. mean, they're, they're going to stop and turn roughly the same. Yeah. And it's a detriment to fuel economy right. for the other six, eight months of the year yeah, when it's not snow. Now, I will say there are people, myself, I have to have it. I cannot, God, my driveway literally does this and comes right. out. I have to. The bottom line is right. between front wheel drive and all wheel drive, whether you both have snows or, or both have all season, right. in a slippery, slippery situation, getting going uphill, the all wheel drive is going to work better. Right. And Ryan made a point. You may actually drive more cautiously. Well, yeah. I think that was a neat if point. Share drive. what you were yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. It's a front wheel drive car, you know, you're at a stop sign and you go to take off with your snow tires and the tires slip, right away you right. go, oh, it's slippery. I need to be careful. I need to slow down. Where the all wheel drive car might take off like right. no, without an issue at all and you might just forget, you know, right. as you're going. That's a, that's a that's fair point. It's less slippery than it is. That's a fair right. point. Yeah. All right, uh, next question. Joe says, I have a 2016 Hyundai Sonata Sport Tech 2.4. In addition to my regular job, I'm also an Uber driver. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, my car just passed the 100,000 kilometer mark, uh, which would be about 62,000 62. miles right. in American. Yep. Um, for you non-Canadians. <laughs> and I want it to last a long time. Is there any special maintenance I should do now or in the near future? Ryan, you're kind of a mechanical guy. I'm going to throw it to you. Um, so take care of the car. Um, follow right. the manual to a T. Someone um, said that earlier in the show. Who was that genius? Oh, goodness. Yeah. We Probably did say that me. earlier. Take just take care of the car. Follow the manual, um, the maintenance schedule to a T. Um, doing I mean, modern cars, you know, they they don't need anything extra be, than other than what the manual says. They're designed right. that way. Uh, you're, otherwise, you'll be wasting money. I think at that point, um, if you take care of it, it'll last a long time. Granted, when it gets higher in mileage, you're gonna have issues. Um, that's with some things, and there's right. no there's no way around that. Items wear. 
uh, nothing lasts forever. Because that's so. not really that high a mileage yet. No, that's not. But when, you know, when he gets car. up over 100,000 right. miles, that's maybe. when you got to start thinking. Yeah. But and the then, stop and go of the Uber driving may be like harder service than right. long highway miles. So right. But right. usually your manual point. says that too. Yep. It'll break it down whether you, uh, you know, the type of driving that Absolutely. you do, and right. then it'll change your your maintenance. It may yeah, your best bet is right. just follow right. the manual. Right. Okay. Next next question is from Brandon. Hey, CR. We have three kids and two more on the way. We have a Subaru Outback. That we're looking to replace with a seven-passenger vehicle. We like long road trips and walks in the on the beach. No, it doesn't say that. We like long road trips and sometimes find ourselves. That was a joke. No one got it. <laughs> I got it. We like long road trips and sometimes find ourselves in mild off-road situations. Hmm. We're looking at a three-row Toyota 4Runner, the Volkswagen Atlas, and our current favorite, the Subaru Ascent. Hmm. Do you have any advice on these vehicles or an or an alternative that would fit our needs? Also. Why don't all rear seats have the latch system? Jen, I'm going to throw this to you for okay. a couple reasons. Uh, one, because you're super smart, and the other because you're one of our child seat experts. Right. You can talk about latch a little bit. What do you? So what do you got for them? All right. So first of all, congratulations. Five kids. God bless you. Goodness <laughs> gracious. So just to walk through them quick. Um, yes, Outback isn't going to work. Atlas, bit of spotty reliability record. Right. So with Ascent, first year. We're always cautious about brand getting a new, new car vehicle with an in all that new first engine. year. Yeah, so I'm going to right. Yeah. So I'm going to go through some alternatives, which we think are good. Okay. Pilot, Honda Pilot, Honda Pilot, latch in the third row. Um, you can get a configuration of a bench or a cat. Is latch in the third row for, uh, uncommon or? Yes, actually. Okay. So latch is required to kind of get to his other question in that second row. Not required for that third row. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's it's like a bonus to have that. Latch is also limited limited by weight, 65 pounds, child plus child seat. So your older kids may not be able to use it anyway. Toyota Highlander, standard yes. safety, does not have latch in the third row, but super reliable. You said Forerunner, so mm. I put in here Sequoia. Okay. It's a much, I have friends who have multiple kids like you guys. Right. It was great for them. It's a yeah. little more bouncy of a ride. It's a little right. more trucky. Yes, People will absolutely. describe it as right. trucky. But if you were liking the Forerunner, it might not be too far of a stretch true, for true. you. Okay. And it's also about $10,000 more. And then finally, I'm going to say it, don't cringe, uh -oh. all-wheel drive Sienna. If yeah. that's enough yeah. for what you guys are doing, yeah. accessing yeah. that Sienna. third yeah. row, such a great, super reliable latch in the third row. And all-wheel drive in a minivan. And all-wheel drive in a minivan. Very uncommon. Yep. Okay, next question. Uh, Jason says, I'm in the market mm -hmm. for a new mid-sized truck for light-duty hauling and daily driving. I'm considering buying a Toyota Tacoma TRD Sport or a Honda Ridgeline. I need help picking one to mm. buy for around $40,000. Ryan, what do you got? What do you think? Ooh. So he says the key phrase is daily driving. Yeah. Um, you know, light-duty hauling, if it's light duty, I would do a Ridgeline. Yeah. It's it's a better on the road vehicle. I love the Tacoma. It's more trucky. I like that right. off roady. Um, every day, the Honda Ridgeline right. is it's like driving a nice SUV. Jen, uh, agree. Ridgeline, and I love the the in bed storage. Right, it's great yeah. for so, when you get caught with poor weather. It's great. Yeah, so the Ridgeline tops are are yeah. you know our yeah. uh, compact uh, truck uh, ratings. ratings. The Tacoma tops the bottom of the ratings, if that's a thing. <laughs> it is the, the uh, worst ranked uh, pickup. I would say, uh, you know, my issue with the Ridgeline, I mean, look, I know it drives great, yeah. uh, but the bed is tiny, yep. and it's also very, um, uh, it's not very deep. So mm -hmm. when I put my bicycles or my motorcycles right. in the back, it feels like they're sticking way out. Right. I'd say, you know what, maybe wait around and see how good the all-new Ford Ranger is as well, because oh, that's yeah. coming. Oh, that's true. So that's another possibility. Uh, another question? 
Carlos says, love the podcast. Again, that's why we put the question in. Uh, it makes my LA commute a lot less stressful. That's good to know. So people are listening to our podcast while they're driving. I'm in my mid-30s with a growing family, and I have enough confidence to drive a minivan. <laughs> I've always been a Toyota guy and like the reliability of the Sienna. I also like the Honda Odyssey, but I'm concerned with the nine-speed transmission, and I'm not a fan of the push-button gear selector. I'm almost certain I'll get the Sienna over the Odyssey, but I want you to change my mind. So first of all, Carlos... Uh, good on you for yeah. um, you know practical. not worrying about the stigma of the minivan and yep. and just you know it's yeah. they make so much sense. So I much, actually yeah. think in some ways they're kind of cool. Um, so we fight over them when they're here. We do. So here's <laughs> the thing: the Odyssey is a newer vehicle. Mm -hmm. It's going to feel newer. It's going to drive a little newer. Yes. Um, I'd also say that to the Toyota Sienna, you know, with its its uh, new uh, eight-speed automatic transmission. Mm -hmm. We're not in love with that transmission either. So I, right. I you know, um, it's uh, it revs a little higher than it seems like it should, and it's not as smooth as maybe we want it to be. So I would say that there are some reasons to go with the Odyssey, and the Odyssey has a better road test score. Yes, but so the Odyssey for me. What do you got? I'm going to say Sienna because it's got the standard safety. Okay. Safety Always miss practicality. Oh, That's what man. you were last That's episode. My you're job. Still, you're still there. You're like the, the voice I know, of reason. I know. You fell asleep during my answers. <laughs> That's not true. Okay. We're, this brings us to our final question. <laughs> As my college cross-country coach used to say when we were doing intervals, make it your best one, guys. Okay, All right. good. So let's do it. This is Clayton. <laughs> says, I'm buying a used 2013 Honda Odyssey to replace my wife's 2012 Mazda 5 that was totaled. Oh. With a growing family, we can obviously expect a change in handling. What's one thing we could, if anything, to ease the transition from the Zoom Zoom Mazda wagon? Thanks. Uh, you know what I say? I say put uh, some black wheels or something like that oh, there you go. on the Odyssey. I had a buddy that uh, when I lived back in California, yeah. and he was married with, with kids, uh, and he had like a pickup or something. He's like, I'm getting a minivan. <laughs> and uh, he wanted to, you know, kind of cool it up or spice it up. So he put some, <laughs> put some aftermarket wheels on it. And it did make it look quite a lot cooler. If it's not going to be Zoom Zoom, make it look Zoom exactly. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I, Mazda 5 was a great, great Yeah. Car. Unfortunately, yeah. that's, you know, that's There's not a you're not going to find that. a handle like that anymore. Yeah. No, not like the Mazda But the Odyssey is the closest. Yeah. I would give him that. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, again, keep sending those submissions, text messages, emails, video Videos. submissions. You'll get on the show if you send in a good video <laughs> submission to talkingcars at iCloud.com. If you want to learn more about all the vehicles we talked about in this show, click on the show notes. And, uh, you know, that's it. We really enjoyed talking to you guys and answering your questions, and we'll see you next week.